This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Thursday, 25 January, Year of Alert 2024. Uh, <laughs> the world's on fire. We're going to walk you through it and uh, make sure you understand it. But first, so Darren, this piece, and you put a piece up uh, uh, a while ago on this too with this footage. Clearly, this audience is very upset about this. And here's what they're upset about. You've done an amazing job, Julie. Kelly's done an amazing job. I mean, we've had people with, with very limited resources. Raheem Kassam, Darren Beatty, Julie Kelly have done a better job than all the media combined with billions of dollars of resources. But we're to a point because now we're seeing where things translate into action, good things happen. How you got Loudermick and Loudermick and God bless him. He's, he's doing a great job. He's out there. But every couple of days I see where they've erased another tape or they've we, we're missing, you know, a thousand hours of, of depositions. So it's Benny Thompson. The Democrats are asking are just it's smash mouth and they're laughing at you. What, what do we need to do? What it's always best when when we have something in MAGA or the War Room Posse or War Room when we can get an official venue to adjudicate something. Good things happen, right? Good things happen because the facts happen to be on our side, and we have to blow through the media lies and their narrative building. What is your recommendation? Because you're probably the leader here. What is your recommendation, and you worked in Trump's White House, what's your recommendation of what we need to do to make sure that the Julie Kelly uh, reporting, the Darren Beatty analysis, observations, and reporting, the Raheem Kassam, what you guys have done is in some official place that we can adjudicate, Jason, if we don't get to the bottom of the 2020 steal, and if we don't get to the bottom of what happened on J6 and who's responsible, who's really responsible for it, we can't go forward as a country. Yeah, we can do policy, everything like that, but to move forward as a republic, we must get to the bottom of that and, and, and assign blame, sir. Well, that's absolutely true. And I just want to sneak in a really disturbing but glaringly obvious issue here is that the Secret Service in this case was protecting Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris was in the DNC building as the pipe bombs were there. She studiously covered this up for almost a year and it leaked out and she still hasn't officially denied it. Now, everybody listening to this, ask yourself this. Kamala Harris is one of the most politically opportunistic creatures on this planet. Why would she forego the opportunity to milk politically the fact that she came within a hair's width of losing her life to this MAGA explosive device? It's the only, major, only explosive device associated with January 6th, and they don't milk that. They don't say Kamala was in the building as the pipe bomb was there. Joe Biden, who gave this big speech on the third anniversary of January 6th, saying what a horrible event of domestic terror, neglects to mention that his own vice president 
nearly lost her life to this bomb because she was in the building when the bomb was there? How dark and how dirty and how damning and how embarrassing does the truth have to be for them to forego their direct political interests in milking this rhetorically as the major talking point of January 6th? That just provides some intuition for the level of dirt that exists in this pipe bomb thing. As for what we can do next, look, this story fortunately has reached escape velocity. The regime can no longer suppress it. Now they're in active damage control mode. And what we really need, we've had the fighters from the beginning, people like Matt Gates, people like Thomas Massey, who I must say has been excellent on this and was responsible for getting this video out to the public. And he deserves credit for that. But these people on the front lines, now we need everybody on board because of the stakes involved, which I described in the previous segment. The stakes are 2024 and the stakes are the weaponization of the national security state against the American people with January 6th of the cheap pretext. It's time to take this into the finish line. And I'm having conversations with people in the House and, you know, I've gotten encouraging remarks. But the thing is, there's the good cop and the bad cop. First, we need to identify who this person is who discovered the bomb and ask him all the relevant questions that we raise in the piece on Revolver.News. Ask him all the questions of how did you guys know it was fake? How did the Secret Service know it was fake? How do you explain all the anomalies surrounding the remarkably coincidental discoveries of both the RNC and DNC bombs in perfect synchronization with the unfolding attack on the Capitol at around 1 p.m.? How do you explain all of these things that we've been reporting on and unearthing for the past two, three years now? We need to get them on record. So that's the next step is getting this person on the video identifying them and having them answer questions. And there are people in the Capitol, they know who this is. They've been stonewalling up until now, but I think we're gonna make progress next week in terms of interviewing this guy. And look, if they go back to stonewall mode, that's the point when we have to start, you know, letting the bad cop out. But now as a result of this public pressure, I think, you know, the good cop mode, let's see. Let's see if they put their money where their mouth is. Let's see if they're smart enough to do themselves a favor, because it's not just us who are implicated in January 6th. Even the milquetoast Republicans, okay. even the establishment Republicans okay. are implicated in yep. this. It's in all of our interests to put this false, fake okay. Fed surrection to bed. 100%. As a country, we got to do it. Okay, so what you're saying, because the war in posse, we're the bad cops. We'll stand <laughs> down until you give us further guidance. About Darren, where did it get to Revolver? Where did it get to your social media? We got your back a thousand percent, but on this one, war and posse, you can rest on the ramparts until uh, Field Marshal uh, Beatty comes back and gives us further <laughs> guidance. Uh, where they go to get you? Where they go to get you? Revolver.news, read the American Mind piece, read the piece with the video, watch the video, share it. It's self-explanatory. Ask yourself, final question that I asked before, why would Kamala Harris not milk politically the fact that she came within a hair's width of the January 6th pipe bombs? Why has she been covering this up? This scandal goes all the way to the top, folks. So stay tuned. It's unraveling. I think the next two months are going to be very interesting. Fantastic. Amazing. Uh, 
just a programming note, tomorrow morning at from 10 to about 10.30 for two segments, John Solomon, the John Solomon is going to uh, join us with some explosive investigative reporting about January 6th. So strap in for that one. Thank you, Darren Beatty. Thank you. Uh, Jim Rickards, one of the smartest guys in the world on macro, on geopolitics, on politics, joins us. Jim, and, and I'm so glad we could get you here right after New Hampshire because you're a resident of New Hampshire. There's been a sea change down here in the Capitol with the collapse of the of the um, the amnesty immigration bill, you know, the codification of the invasion of our country. A lot of that came from the exit polls in New Hampshire and what happened in New Hampshire. You You gave us a theory last time you were on, that really resonated with the audience, saying you can't really understand politics until you understand the economics and the macroeconomics and back of political trends. Put that in perspective in New Hampshire. What happened? You're, you're a resident there. What happened on Tuesday? Yeah, thanks, <clears throat> thanks Dave. Great to be with you. Yeah, I, I live in New Hampshire. I got to vote in the primary. I did some uh, TV interviews at the New Hampshire uh, headquarters. So it's kind of right in the center of the whole thing. It's really interesting. You know, um, when you're uh, you have a political opponent or you're trying to push some idea in the media or whatever, the truth doesn't matter anymore except for in certain uh, channels, you know, this channel and certain others. But basically people care more about the narrative than the truth. So the narrative that came out of New Hampshire goes something like this. You know, Donald Trump won a very substantial victory that was expected, but yeah, he did a little bit better um, than some of the people expected. But, you know, they polled, they did exit polling for the Nikki Haley voters. Now, New Hampshire is kind of a funny state. It's only 30 percent Republican and 30 percent Democrat, approximately, in registration, which means 40 percent of the people in New Hampshire are registered as independents. It's the biggest party in New Hampshire, if you want to think of it that way, are the independents. But we have a funny system. If you're an independent, you can walk in and request either ballot. You can pick a Republican ballot or Democratic ballot and, and go vote. So, um, a lot of independents, and I, I know so. I talk to people. I talk to people online, uh, you know, friends and so forth, who lean liberal. They got a ballot and they voted for. They got a Republican ballot. They voted for Nikki Haley, uh, and that's where a lot of her support came from. So the narrative was: Look, yeah, Trump dominated the Republicans and got uh, a very substantial percentage of the vote and all that, but he can't win the general election unless he reaches out to moderates and. Um, you know, people, uh, undecideds and moderates and independents and so forth. And he didn't get them. They went heavily for Nikki Haley. But here, here's the thing. The narrative is false. The, so many of the independents who voted for uh, Nikki Haley are never going to vote for Trump. They hate Trump. They, they're, they're liberals. They're progressives. They, uh, they're you know, closet Democrats, whatever you want to call them. They got the Republican va- ballot. They voted for Nikki Haley just to stick it to Trump. But they're never going to vote, Trump, vote for Trump. Trump didn't lose those votes. He never had them in the first place. So that's that's the first thing, that the Nikki Haley vote was largely a Democratic vote or independent-leaning Democrat. And Trump didn't lose a thing because he's not going to get those votes. Now, that's New Hampshire. You go around the country, you don't have these open primaries. Some states you do, but many of them you don't. So we'll get a much purer kind of Republican vote. Um, I don't. And when people say, I don't think Nikki Haley's going to win South Carolina— I don't think Nikki Haley is going to make it to South Carolina. I think she's going to withdraw before the South Carolina uh, primary, which comes toward the end of February. You know, the money's drying up and, uh, you know, and the momentum is, uh, is not there. So uh, the other uh, you know, kind of narrative about this is that, um, you know, Trump can't win because he can't get the independence. I, I don't believe that, but that's, that's the narrative. But what every analyst is missing, you know, the top analysts, network TV, et cetera, 
they're underestimating or ignoring the role of third parties. Now, a typical third party year is, you know, you get a Jill Stein on the Green Party. She gets 1%, 2% maybe, whatever. At the margin, it can make a difference in a small number of instances, but it doesn't affect the national outcome. But that's not true this year. The models, you have to look at 1992, 1968, and 1912. Those were the three years when the third party made a huge difference. 1992, Russ Perot got zero states, but he got 19% of the vote, probably cost almost certainly cost George H.W. Bush the election. 1968 is a funny year. You know, it was George Wallace. He mentioned George Wallace ago. Oh, yeah, he was some segregationist governor in Alabama and all that. George Wallace won five states. He actually wasn't just got a certain percentage of the vote. He won five states in the Electoral College. Hubert Humphrey only won 18 states. Go back to 1912, Teddy Roosevelt lost the nomination. He was competing with Taft. He started the third party, the Bull Moose Party. <clears throat> Pardon me. The Bull Moose Party uh, outperformed the Republican Party. Uh, uh, the Bull Moose Party got about 27 percent. Republicans got about 24 percent. And Woodrow Wilson only got 40, 40, uh, sorry, 41 percent. But Woodrow Wilson won the election because Roosevelt and Taft split the Republican vote. If you combine them, they were over 50 percent. They would have won. But Woodrow Wilson did got over 400 electoral votes. It was an electoral landslide because of that. This year looks more like one of those years. Uh, RFK Jr.'s, you know, polling consistently around 15%. Uh, Jill Stein's back in it. Maybe she's a one or two percenter. Not clear. Uh, no labels. Uh, I have some experience. I worked with a, um, I, I was managing a campaign for a potential presidential candidate in 2012. Uh, and at the time, there was a third party channel called Americans Elect. It ended up not... Uh, doing much because they were okay with Mitt Romney, but there was a concern that the Republican would be a little more radical. Anyway, so I have a lot of experience in how you get on the ballot and how third parties actually work. And I'm looking at no labels. They're they're doing the homework. By the way, it costs maybe $20 million or more to get on the ballot because you got a lot of lawyers and groundwork and all that. But uh, I don't know who their candidate's going to be. There's talk about Joe Manchin, John Huntsman, um, Dean Phillips, who was the Democrat who ran against uh, Biden in the New Hampshire primary, he may do it. But but the point is, they have a big footprint. Hey, Jim, so does Jim, RFK Jr. Hang, so you might be looking at twenty one. Hang on one second, because yeah, hang on for a second. I, we're gonna go to break, and I want to I want to take time on the snow labels, and I want to take time on Cornell West and the rest of these independents because um, it could have a potential big impact, or it could it could peter out. But right now, it looks like it's polling. Uh, they're polling consistently, co- collectively above ten percent. Maybe as high as 15%. Short commercial break. Jim Rickards on the other side. As we head toward a presidential election in November, one thing you can be sure of, 2024 will be a tumultuous year like no other. How will your hard-earned savings fare during this year? You're already seeing the impacts of inflation at the pump, the grocery store. The dollar continues to lose buying power quicker than your wages can increase. How are you protecting your savings? Consider diversifying with gold from Birch Gold Group. For decades, gold has been the choice of investors and central banks to hedge against inflation. Now you can own it in a tax-sheltered IRA with the help of Birch Gold. Just text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N to 989898. Birch Gold will send you a free info kit on gold. They'll help you convert an existing IRA or 
401k into an IRA in gold. And the best part, you don't have to pay a penny out of pocket. With an A-plus rating, with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of satisfied customers, you can trust Birch Gold. Text Bannon to 989898 to claim your free info kit. That's Bannon to 989898. And secure your savings now. Take action. Text Bannon at 989898. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Strategic intelligence is the newsletter. Jim Rickards is the uh, is the author, one of the smartest guys around. Jim, how do they? I just want to tee the audience up as we go through this. How do they get to your writings? How do they get to your newsletter, which you put out? This is a monthly kind of gets people into your thinking. Where do they go? Yeah, thanks, Steve. We have a link at RickardsWarroom.com. So it's RickardsWarroom.com. Go there. You'll see all the information on the newsletters and uh, my uh, also my book, uh, Currency Wars. Uh, uh, which uh, it's funny, Currency Wars came out in 2011. There's a subchapter on Russia, Ukraine, natural gas, and war. So it was you know, 10, 10, 12 years ahead of its time, but it's still fresh. So uh, yeah, RickardsWarroom.com is our link. Thank you. No, that's what uh, got me to be a big fan when I read it. We're going to get back to that in just a moment. So you've got RFK, Stein, Cornell West, and a couple of this. They don't really have, and RFK thinks trying to, but they're not going to be on a broad swath of um, of uh, ballots. They'll be on some, but no labels, which had seventy million dollars, has spent at least twenty or to thirty on getting ballot access. The the thing they don't have right now is actually a candidate. So as you walk through your theory, the third parties are going to be big here or important. H- how does that break down between the non ballot access crowd that'll be on onesie twosie states? versus no labels, which is everywhere, but doesn't really have a, a candidate. And I'm not sure the theory of the case that people are looking for a centrist, but, but walk me through your analysis of that. Uh, yeah, I mean, but Joe Stein's on the Green Party, which is on the ballot in, I believe, almost all 50 states. So she might be in the 1% one to 2% category, but she'll be on the ballot. No labels is doing a good job. I wouldn't underestimate RFK Jr., he's savvy, you know, political dynasty. They've got the money. They're working on it. It, it, it takes time. The, the good thing about RFK Jr., he can skip the primaries. And they're working towards November, obviously. They're not worried about the primary season. Um, the Cornell West is is interesting. I He's a neo-Marxist. I don't. I probably don't agree with one of his policies, but he is brilliant. He's brilliant. He's articulate. He's telegenic. He's got that X factor you need to, you know, be on TV and appeal to people. So again, don't agree with his policies, but I respect his uh, his intelligence and his ability. The The point is, if that crowd, if all four of them, and you're right, some are going to be on some ballots, not others, but if they collectively get to 15, 20%, the last three or four elections, actually going all the way back to Bush-Gore in um, uh, 2000, they were about 1%, 1%, 1.5%. They were, were extremely close. So you take... Uh, a 15%, even a 15% factor or a 10% factor uh, that's heavily Biden looking, Biden people looking for another uh, candidate. They don't want to vote for Trump. Fine. Okay. But you take 10 or 15% away from Biden, Trump wins easily. I would actually expect, and uh, you know, the, the popular vote you might not win because you get seven, 7 million more Democrats in California, but you could have an electoral college landslide. That could, that could very well be the case. There are other factors going on, Steve, that, that play into this now. Um, you know, it's traditional immigrants come and they congregate in certain cities, you know, the Irish and uh, Jewish populations in New York. But uh, the Arab population, Arab, uh, Arab immigrants and Arab Americans, 
uh, are heavily concentrated in Detroit. And of course, Detroit's critical and Michigan's a swing state. They are turning against Biden because of um, because of what's going on in uh, Gaza and Hamas-Israel uh, war. Now, we don't have to do a deep dive on the war, but it's there. And they are very, uh, very upset about uh, Biden's position on that. I'm not saying they're going to vote for Trump, uh, but they, they may just stay home. Uh, the other group that's fading really quickly, leaving the Democrats and actually going to the Republicans, going to the Trump, going to Trump, are African Americans, uh, but particularly African American men. Um, now there, that that votes traditionally ninety-five percent Democrat, five percent Republican. Okay, so I'm not saying it's going to be fifty percent Republican, but even if you got ten percent, a ten percent shift towards the Republicans, African Americans are twelve percent of the population. So take 10% of 12%, that's 1.2%. That's That by itself is enough to tip the election. And uh, one, part of what's moving African-American, first of all, they're very unhappy, you know, uh, 50 years or longer of Democratic rule in these uh, uh, blue cities and blue states, and they have nothing to show for it. I mean, crime's worse, education's worse, et, et cetera. But uh, there's this, the, the Biden's trying to ban menthol cigarettes, and African-American men have a, preference for methyl cigarettes. I only smoked two packs in my life when I was 12 years old some time ago, but they were their methyl. I was smoking Newports. Um, but the point is that things like that actually can tip behavior one way or the other. So you got a lot of things going on and they all favor Trump. The third parties uh, will be predominantly <laughs> Biden, people looking for a home. It all favors Trump. The, 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 you talk about enthusiasm and you talk about now, um, you know, the, these third parties. Do you agree? The issue set is our set. You come in out of New Hampshire, it's immigration and the inflation or the economy, which is tied to spending and how messed up the economy is. Then you've had here in the Capitol, you've had the collapse of the of the amnesty bill. He's still trying to figure out what to do in Ukraine. But yesterday, I don't know if we have the cut. Kane uh, uh, of Virginia, who's a pretty loyal foot soldier, came out and said they've got to get uh, Biden to come to Congress on the War Powers Act because of what's happening in the Red Sea. And he laid out the case that we've laid out. You've got carrier battle groups there. You're launching strikes into these Persian militia, you know, Houthi rebels in Yemen. But it's just not defense of the carrier battle group anymore. You're going on offense. And he brings up the key point since most of the flags, the, the sh flags of the ships that we're protecting are not U.S. carriers and they're all bound for Europe, that you need to, you know, we need to kick in the War Powers Act. He's got to come to Congress. Is everything, is the issue set as you see it, is that our issue set that, that's our wheelhouse about inflation, about the economy, about spending, and about invasion of the southern border, and now the total mismanagement of the beginning phase of the Third World War? Well, uh, they're all connected at some level, but just to kind of uh, drill down on the, uh, by the way, I just returned recently from the Middle East. I was out in uh, Dubai. I was in a thousand-foot building. I was kind of looking for the uh, Dwight Eisenhower, that uh, carrier battle group is out there. I didn't see it, but it was it was not far away. But yeah, we've got um, uh, aircraft carrier battle group and the aircraft carriers don't travel alone. They go with destroyers and cruisers and submarines and a lot else. And of course, they are, are armed with nuclear missiles. We have a nuclear missile submarine in the area. Um, and uh, now the war's escalating. Okay, you start with Israel, Hamas, Gaza. We see that, but that has now spread to Yemen and the Houthis uh, and uh, who are backed by Iran. And at what point does someone want to take a take a stab at Iran? Now, it's it's critical to understand that you have a warmonger State Department and a warmonger White House. You can go down the list, Tony Blinken, Jake Sullivan, Victoria Newland, uh, and others. 
They just want war. And by the way, I would add Nikki Haley to the list. So I, I, one of the things I said the other day was uh, don't underestimate the extent to which her weakness was partly involved with Ukraine. Now, we have this debate going on in Congress, and you referred to it with, you know, we've we got to get the budget. I think March 1st is the deadline, shut down the government at March 1st, which may, may not be a bad idea for other reasons, but, but that's what they're working against. Now, we've heard about immigration, immigration, the border, you know, coming up with a bill, Lineford, uh, working on that, et cetera. Um, it was all for show. This is all about Ukraine. The, only, the idea was there's a lot of resistance in the House and the Republicans to more aid for Ukraine. Marjorie Taylor Greene's dead set against it and others. Um, and I, I think it's a waste also. I mean, the Russians are winning. Ukrainians are losing. Ukrainians are corrupt oligarchs. They wear neo-Nazi insignia on their uniform. Um, I mean, how much more evidence do you need that this, you know, they canceled their elections? Uh, how much more evidence do you need that this is an utterly corrupt regime that we're supporting and the idea we're supporting democracy? Hey, they just canceled the elections. I'm sorry, there's no democracy uh, in Ukraine. But with that going on, they knew the aid would be unpopular. So they said, okay, we'll throw the Republicans, we'll throw the House Republicans a bone. We'll give them some immigration reform that'll sweeten the pot a little bit and then they'll vote in favor of the Ukraine aid. They couldn't get there because even the, the Senate Republicans weren't that... Uh, uh, spineless, but um, and they know the House will reject it. So finally, McConnell the other day says, "Okay, forget the border. Uh, we'll just you'll just keep that uh, as an election issue, or you know whether you like it or not, and let's just vote on Ukraine." But uh, right now, there's no U.S. money going to Ukraine. That that dried up. Uh, we haven't approved anything new. Europe has not approved new money for Ukraine uh, because uh, Hungary has a veto um, the European Union. Uh, so that's uh, that's. Uh, dragging on. There's nothing going to Ukraine. You know, Zelensky's running around with his tin cup at Davos, but he didn't get, he didn't get any money out of it. Came to Washington, got no money, et cetera. Ukraine is really imploding. Uh, and, and all Biden is trying to do, he's trying to prop up the war to get past the election. Right? Biden doesn't care about the Ukrainians. He doesn't care how many Ukrainians get killed. By the way, the number's approaching 500,000 at this point. He'll do to them what he did the, to the... Is that what your sources are telling? Is that what your sources are telling... Is that what your sources yeah. are telling you? There could be up to 500,000. Is that Russian and Ukrainian or just Ukrainian? Just Ukrainian. I and mean, the Russians have had casualties, but nowhere near. The kill, the kill ratios, um, you get various numbers, but five to one is a, is a reasonable estimate. Some are higher, but, you know, uh, so, yeah, you, you, Russians have had casualties. Of course, it's a war, uh, but uh, the uh, the Ukrainians, uh, they're, they're running out of money. I mean, they're running out of money. They're, they're practically out of money. Uh, by the way, a lot of the money just goes to pay salaries to these oligarchs and their cronies that I described earlier. It doesn't go necessarily to the war effort. They're running out of money, but they're running out of men. They're running out of fighters, and all the money in the world won't do you any good if you can't. They're, they're stopping cars, dragging people out of cars, sending them into military training. You know, the wives are screaming. People are leaving the country. Uh, but, yeah, th th this is falling apart very quickly, faster than I thought. Um, Abdeka has fallen. Marinka has fallen. Uh, uh, you know, other uh, other key cities. The Russian Russians move very slowly. Everyone's like, "Where's the big Russian offensive?" They take their time. Just look at the Battle of Kursk. Look at what they did on the Eastern Front in World War II. They they took two <laughs> right. and a half years. Right. They, right. they were they were in no hurry, but they <laughs> right. but they annihilated. But, they but killed they know, five million Germans. <laughs> Yeah, they know how to, by the way, not just 5 million Germans, I mean, 5 million of the best of the Wehrmacht ahead, right? The the guys at the beach at D-Day were very thankful for the for the casualties. Uh, Jim, hang on for one second. We're going to take a short commercial break. Strategic Intelligence, the author over at Paradigm Press, that newsletter, Jim Rickards, one of the most informed guys in the world. 
uh, joins us. When we come back, I'm going to ask you about Dubai. When you go to a place like that, what type of information you pick up and what's their attitude? That's the new rising financial center for New you got New York, the city of London, what, Singapore, Tokyo, Dubai rising next in the world. Question, who protects the troops who protect us? Well, we will. Imagine you're serving halfway around the world and you learn the title to your home. That legal document that proves it's actually yours has been forged. And it's not in your name anymore. But we can't let that happen and we won't let it happen. Home title theft is a clear and present danger for all homeowners. And that's why I trust Home Title Lock. And now, Home Title Lock is protecting those who protect us and giving back. For every subscription you purchase from Home Title Lock, they'll donate one year of free service to a military family in your name. Our troops deserve the peace of mind in knowing that while they protect us, Home Title Lock protects their most valuable asset. We all need to protect the title to our homes. I'll share updates, but for now, please join me. Protect your home's title at HomeTitleLock.com slash Bannon and use promo code Bannon. And when you do, they'll protect the home of a service member in your name. That's HomeTitleLock.com slash Bannon, code Bannon. HomeTitleLock.com slash Bannon, code Bannon. Do this for the troops. Do it today. Use your agency. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Jim, when, when you go to a place, you know, we covered this uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think, when uh, Ray Dalio and people were there and we were talking to people, hey, they're, 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 talking, they're talking Dubai up as a new international capital market. It's one of the reasons we have two carrier battle <laughs> groups in the area. Um, at the same time, UAE, which is, I think, used to be our best ally with MBZ and always punched above their weight, is part of now the de-dollarization effort, at least the way it's been reported about the Chinese, uh, about them doing long-term oil deals with the CCP and, and the CCP's currency, just like the Saudis. But when you go there, I think what people look to you is that, hey, this guy is the inside baseball guy in the capital markets of the world. When you go to a place like that, the people you meet, I mean, it, walk us through how you get a sense of things. How do you see what's the signal and rule out the noise? Sure. I think I uh, qualify as an old Dubai hand. My first visit to Dubai was 1981. And when I was there, there was only one high-rise in the whole place. There was a couple, uh, a couple avenues along Banias Road. They were two-story buildings, uh, you know, brick, stucco, whatever, mud homes. The, the two biggest activities were pearl diving and offshore banking. And I was uh, International Council of Citibank, so I was there for the offshore banking part. But it really was not much more than a village. It has, uh, it has boomed amazingly. But I've been back many times. And every time I go back, it's a new city, like the old city's there and they build a new city. I was in a building. It was uh, well over a thousand feet high, you know, 85 stories. And it was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, adjacent to the developed part, but it was kind of out and it was the head of this. Uh, I was a guest of uh, Ahmed uh, Sultan bin Sulayam, who was the head of the Dubai Multi Commodity Center, largest uh, uh, free trade commodity center in the world. Uh, so I'm in his building, but it's a thousand feet high. 
But I said, uh, I said to the staff, I said, hey, nice building, but you're in the middle of nowhere. He said, oh, no, you don't understand. We're going to put seven skyscrapers around it in the year ahead, and two of them are going to be bigger than the one you're in. This is going to be bigger than Times Square. I said, oh, I, I get it. You build a new city every couple of years. It really is booming. It's not phony. Um, it, uh, you, know, you, you look at Singapore in the east and London, New York in the west. Dubai's right in the middle. It's got a good time zone. Um, and it's friendly to kind of everybody. Yeah, Americans are welcome there. But uh, the Russians do an enormous amount of business there. A lot of Russian wealth is there. There's a lot of gold there. Kind of know where some of the, the vaults are. So, so it really is amazing in that regard. But I was... Um, so I was a guest of uh, you know Alkan bin Salayim, and he's he's the head of the DMC. I was a keynote speaker at his conference. But what was interesting is that it was just a few days before COP28. That's the UN glo- global. It's probably what Ray Dalio was doing there. That was the UN global climate conference that they have once a year. I think there were seventy thousand people who came in. I mean, Dubai has a certain population, but they came in just for that. And uh, people. Uh, they can't. So one of the uh, the PR assistants said, "Jim, could you do a, a live radio interview? You know, tomorrow morning." I said, "Sure, I'm here." Uh, and it was something called Dubai Eye, which is the largest. It was drive time radio. It's the largest live radio program in the Persian Gulf. It's broadcast all over the place. So, so pretty big platform. And people look at my resume and they go, "Oh, he went to four top universities, two law degrees, degree in international economics, went to all the right schools. He must be one of us. I mean, he must be a Davos man." So. We'll put them on the air, but they don't actually do any pre-production. So I'm on the air and we do the gold thing, which is why I was there and the currency issue and some of the issues you raised, Steve. And we get to the end of the interview and the guy goes, the good anchor, he says, well, we've got COP28 coming up. What do you think? And I said, well, first of all, I congratulate Dubai on winning the host city. That's a big deal. And I said, I'm completely confident they'll do a great job hosting because they always do. And by the way, this is part of the Green News scam. <laughs> the guy's face, you know, kind of drops. And <laughs> I, I went on. I, I went on about um, how the whole thing is a scam. That um, you know, uh, windmills uh, and solar modules uh, don't work. I mean, they work, but they're they, they're intermittent. The you know, solar doesn't work at night in bad weather. Windmills don't work; they freeze. Uh, none of it's economical. It's all subsidized electric vehicles. They peaked in 1905, 1905. They were replaced by combustion engines. They're not much more than golf carts. On and on. Just for us, let's, let's reboot him. Yeah. We can try to reboot him. Just get to the punchline. Um, Jim Rickards is clearly <clears throat> he's renowned as one of the... Uh, Smartest guys in the world, strategic intelligence, you ought to get it. His his theory is that you can't understand politics without the economics <clears throat> is one of the foundational elements of the war room. Uh, one of the reasons I think this audience has been so powerful on Capitol Hill and so powerful in making the voice of MAGA heard, uh, respected and feared, is the um, what we've done on allowing you to see the tools and the understanding of macroeconomics and how it plays up here. Uh, a lot of things are going on during the show day. I just want to keep everybody up to date as we reboot Jim. Uh, up this two-pronged approach to fund the um, oligarchs, to fund the oligarchs in Ukraine, because Jim's right. This has been uh, McConnell and this in the uh, in leadership have been obsessed with how to get the seventy billion dollars into Ukraine. I did British TV last night. Uh, over at uh, ITV, 
and uh, Preston, Robert Preston, he I, it, actually the show is quite interesting. I was I followed the labor leader, who in all likelihood may be the next prime minister, and they specifically were asking me about the Ukraine. And I said, hey, I said, will President Trump solve it in forty eight hours? I said, yes, President Trump can solve it in forty eight hours, but it's incumbent upon MAGA now to stand into the breach and support President Trump as we shut down the funding for Ukraine right now. Because I said this vote. If it comes, you're going to see that the MAGA movement, the Republican, most of the Republican Party, except for the old neoliberal neocons, are 100 percent against, particularly given our budget situation, anything, uh, an additional uh, penny to Ukraine. I think we got Jim back up after a short technical problem. You're getting to the punchline. What, 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 what did you, what did you tell the guy? As the, uh, as the I, I get to the end. For I, top I get to the end of the interview, and I said, I get to the end of the interview. I said, by the way, we probably need more CO2 because it's plant food, and we rely on plants, and they produce oxygen. So anyway, so we we go off the air, uh, and the guy stands up and he looks at him and goes, "I'll probably be fired over this." I said, "No, you'll be fine." I said, "Okay." But, but but what was interesting? I went back. To, I went back to my conference. I went back to the hotel and the conference center, and everyone took me aside. Quite a few people took me aside. Said, Jim, we heard you. We're glad you said it. We agree with you. So it's amazing that uh, people, for whatever reason, don't want to speak up themselves. Who don't want to say those things. But when you get on the air, big radio station, and say it, they take you aside and say, "We totally agree. Thanks for saying it. We appreciate it." So I think that's a uh, significant, well, very encouraging. Well, Jim, hang on, for, but hang on for a second. But this is the key point. This is why, you know, you're kind of an outrider in in the normal, you know, Wall Street hedge fund advisory and commentary business. I want to go to that because this uh, sustainability, climate change, it's like a medieval uh, theology now. If, if you're not totally marching in line, you're going to be outed as a, as a, in, in corporate America, in the hedge funds, with the Larry Fink crowd, all of it. Talk about how powerful that is because people are coming up to you and say, hey, thanks for speaking the truth. This stuff's insane, but I've got to go to COP28 and toe the party line. How powerful is the ability to other people – in the financial community or in corporate America, if they actually sit there and go, you know, this stuff's insane. It's ridiculous. This is like a cult. Right. Well, it's kind of what we said about Nikki Haley, uh, Nikki Haley earlier. The narrative uh, prevails over the truth in the short run. In the longer run, reality always wins. That They can have a narrative, and it can be powerful, no doubt about it. It can last a while. But eventually the narrative runs into a brick wall called reality. And we're, we're seeing it now. I'm sure you heard the story with uh, – um, all these uh, poor Tesla owners in Chicago, it was like, I don't know, 10 below zero or something. And they went to their charging stations. Uh, first of all, the batteries were dying. They lost the charge because that's what happens. Any skier took a cell phone to a mountain, knows that the battery dies. But then they, they wouldn't take the charge. The battery actually wouldn't take the charge because you have to precondition the battery. And they ended up getting towed away on flatbeds. It was like a, it was like a Tesla graveyard. That's reality. And they, they interviewed some of the people. I said, I'm done with it. You know, I'm not picking on... Tesla is true of any electronic vehicle, the Ford F-150 Lightning and so forth. Like, I'm done with it. I don't want any more. The resale values are plunging. Hertz is dumping. So that's the reality. The reality is they, they're, they're golf carts. They don't you – know, they're fine on a golf course, but they don't really work well at all on the road. Um, and, uh, you know, same thing with windmills. You know, they, they, fro- they freeze they in cold weather. They, they get brittle. So um, – the, the U.K. had an auction for offshore windmill rights. They said, okay, we're going to auction big blocks of the North Sea. You can come. There are only a certain number of companies in the world that do this. You can come build your windmills and uh, just bid on it. It was no bid, no bid. Nobody wanted to do it. They said, we can't make money. You're, you're capping the, the rates and so forth. And, of course, I'm sure you've covered. Look at what's going on. The, Europe's in a complete uproar with the farmers. 
Germany, Netherlands, uh, Poland, uh, Romania, uh, Denmark, they're all protesting for, for a lot of reasons, but Netherlands, because they, they're, they've gone off the deep end with the Green News scam, but even in um, Germany, they want to remove some fuel subsidies, and the farmers are like, we can't make money without the subsidies. We used to have cheap energy from Russia. You blew that up, literally blew it up at the Nord Stream Pipeline. Uh, and now you want to take away the subsidies. We're we're out of business, and you're going to starve. So, the so the reality is, is sinking in now. We're we're seeing a little more courage on the part of scientists. Uh, there used to be just you'd have to find a retired, uh, you know, <laughs> meteorologist or geophysicist from some research university to actually speak out against this. But now you know, a- active faculty, um, 1,600 plus scientists have signed a. Um, a manifesto that says there is there is no existential crisis. Uh, Steve Coonan's book. Uh, he was he was Obama's like number one environmental guy. So you know a liberal Democrat in the Obama administration has come out and said there's no crisis here. These models, by the way, all this gloom and doom here and hysteria, climate alarmism, etc. It's all based on models. It's not based on actual data. Uh, they input selective data and they get a certain output. It's all rigged. But they've shown the models don't, they can't even backtest correctly. If you take the UN model and gave it data from 10 years ago, so we actually have the data, we know what it is, and say, tell us what the weather was like, they can't do it. They, they can't backtest. So how can they forecast? They can't. So, but it, it's, um, but on the other hand, a lot of people are making money out of it. Uh, so that's, and they have control in Washington, Biden, I but, doubt But, but, I doubt but, but hang on, on. We, got a, we got a couple, we have a couple minutes left in this segment. This transition is we've had Dave Walsh on here. You're talking about a fundamental, I mean, Germany, I just did a big interview on German TV. I said Germany is deindustrializing. This sustainability right. is essentially the deindustrialization. That's where the farmers, the heavy hand on the farmers is actually destroying the agricultural revolution of, you know, 4,000 years ago. These people right. are radicals. It's like a cult. But just give me a minute on the deindustrialization before we go to break, because this the sustainability thing is trillions of dollars, but it's the opportunity cost that's going to kill us. Yeah, I, mean, I just bought a, a German sports sedan. I love German cars. They're the only ones I drive. But, uh, you know, I checked out the specifications. The engine was made in Hungary. Now, that's OK. The Hungarians are smart and they're good quality control. But why is why are companies like BMW and Audi and Porsche outsourcing their engines to Hungary. They, they're always made in Germany. Well, the answer is the energy costs are too high, uh, which and they used to have really cheap energy. So Germany is deindustrializing. You know, Angela Merkel spent 14 years shutting every coal fire plant and as many nuclear plants as she could in Germany. Uh, they were trying to make this transition to wind and solar, but you need a bridge, and the bridge was cheap Russian energy, and they blew that up. So now they don't have the bridge. The other, the, the end game doesn't work, it never will, but if you want to pretend, that's fine. But that never works. But they didn't even have the bridge to get there because they got rid of the cheap Russian energy because of the war in Ukraine. So, so yeah, Germany is, is in recession in 2023, it's going to continue in 2024. It is the fourth largest economy in the world. It's not some, you know, odd lot. Um, and that's, that's spreading and, you know, China's slowing. And so you can see a global recession coming. Uh, yeah, but it, the, the question I asked myself, Steve, is... Oh, sorry, go Hang, hang on one second. I want to give the punchline after the break. We're going to take a short commercial break here. Um, remember, the merger of um, AI and cyber puts your uh, your title at more at risk than ever. It's only 80 or 90% of your net worth. Go to Home Title Lock today. Just check it out. Immerse yourself in the information over there. As Joe Allen reported from CES, 
It's the new merger of those two, cyber and AI. They're going to empower the cyber criminals. Check it out today. Short commercial break. Jim Rickards on the other side. For War Room veterans, you know we have been all over this supply chain issue with China and medications and the uh, active pharmaceutical ingredients. China has a stranglehold on us where there's a way to break that. Jace Medical. I got an emergency medication kit from them. The FDA just declared a global shortage of medication and warned that critical antibiotics are in stream short supply across the United States. But you know that because you're a viewer or listener of the show. Now, here's the action you can take to correct. Do yourself and your family a favor and get your Jace case right now. It's a pack of five prescription antibiotics you'll have on hand for common emergencies. Just visit jacemedical.com. That's Jace, J-A-S-E, jacemedical.com. Take a few minutes and fill out the form. Your information will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medication will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. You'll be glad you have the Jace case. Go to Jace Medical. That's one word, J-A-S-E, medical.com, and enter code Bannon at checkout for a discount on your order. That's promo code Bannon at Jace, J-A-S-E, medical.com. You know what the problem is because you've watched the show. You can break, you can take action and break that problem by going to Jace Medical and get your Jace case today. Action, action, action. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Jim, do you get a sense? What's your sense of China right now? Stock markets in the uproar. Uh, they're imploding. Bond markets imploding. They're talking about massive deficits they've got. They're, they're, the CCP is is trying to plug holes. What's your sense? Yeah, China is imploding. There are a number of reasons for it. We, I think the real estate collapse is very well known for decades. It was just, you know, the Chinese can't buy that much stuff. They can't buy stuff overseas by and large. So they buy real estate. We're not been up, but it's like any bubble. It collapsed. People have lost money. They don't want to buy more real estate. Um, the other thing that's, uh, you know, and then world trade is collapsing, and China is the, is the manufacturer of the world. Well, if world trade is collapsing, that means China's collapsing. But the other factor not well understood is that there is a global dollar shortage. Uh, and people say, well, gee, how, why would you like the dollar debt deficits all out of control? All true. That'll have a long-term impact. But in the short term, dollar is still king of the hill. And there's a global dollar shortage. When you see China selling U.S. Treasury securities, everyone says, oh, they're dumping treasuries, getting out. No, they're selling them to get dollars to prop up their banks, uh, which, which again, but they're, but they're running out. So the whole thing is, uh, is slowing down enormously. It's been an enormous wow. waste. I've, I've been to China many times, not just in Beijing. I've been out in the country all over, uh, all over the China. Yeah, it's definitely imploding. Jim, where do they, how do they get the newsletter? People want to keep up with this. You put out a monthly uh, where do yep. they go to get it? Rickardswarroom.com. Rickardswarroom.com. Uh, you'll find all the newsletters and also a copy of my book, uh, Currency Wars, comes along with it. Uh, when you get the newsletter, I hope people enjoy it. We put a lot of effort into it. So, uh, yeah, Rickardswarroom.com. Thanks. Uh, currency war changed my thinking about a lot of things. Jim Rickards was showing about economic warfare even back then, a book that was a couple of decades ahead of its time. Jim, thank you so much for joining us here. Love having you on. Thanks. No, the audience does. Um, okay, there's a firestorm going on up in Capitol Hill. We're going to be covering from 5 to 7 tonight. We come back. Charlie Kirk's next. Jack Basobic. After that, so much political news and, and what's happening with Nikki. Um, she had a, uh, 
I think it was in Dallas last night, 200 major donors. So this thing about donors coming out publicly and saying they're not there, hey, that may be slowing down, but there's a lot of people that have her back, trust me. So, And that's all to infiltrate uh, MAGA and President Trump's second term with a globalist. So we got to keep an eye on that. But here's the big thing. Even Romney just came out a minute ago and said, hey, I don't know where McConnell is on this. This would be a massive victory of all victories. Don't buy the uh, Morning Joe. Oh, this is a solution. It's the toughest bill ever. This is a solution for the border to secure our border. And, of course, the far right wing MAGA movement, the ultra nationalist over at MAGA and, and President Trump don't want it because they just want to campaign. No, we want to secure our nation. We want to save this republic. We want to stop the invasion. Detention and uh, deportation. Detention and deportation. This is why we next time the CR comes up, no CR at all until you force Biden to the table to really have a negotiation. This bill would codify the invasion of our country and draw hundreds of millions of new uh, illegal alien invaders coming here under phony asylum. You can't be an economic migrant and get asylum in the United States. Full stop. You just can't. Otherwise, you're going to have a billion people here. And it's not there for they're, they're logical. You and I would do the exact same thing. If you get a chance to get to El Norte and I can get in and get money and get health care and get all that, of course I'm going to go try it because I want a better life. That's the great tragedy here. Instead of working with those countries to make those countries more robust, to make their lives better, what the globalists do is impoverish them and then drive them to Western Europe and drive them into the United States of America to make your life worse and destroy your country. More about five seven because remember McConnell's number one objective is to get that money to the oligarchs in Ukraine. He's got to get that money laundering operation going for the child trafficking, the organ harvesting, the bioweapons lab, and who knows what else. We'll eventually get there, but who knows when you pick that scab, what pus runs out from it? What's going to be gnarly? And that's the other fight we got. So five to seven tonight, we'll go through all of that. Mike Lindell joins us. Mike, I notice you're not up, still not up on. Uh, I don't think you're going to be back up on Fox until Nikki Haley uh, gets the standing A count. So tell me right now about what do what's the benefit to the War Room Posse to the detriment of the Fox, uh, of the Murdoch News TV for Stupid People viewers? Well, I'll, get, I'll tell you that in a second. I want to tell everybody this afternoon I'm going to have a big announcement. We had a big breakthrough, Steve, with paper ballots, hand counted. One whole state might be going that way. So I'll have an update for everybody later this afternoon. Wow. But in the meantime, everybody, yeah, this is big news. Um, and in the meantime, everybody, um, yeah, the War Room Posse, the commercials we were going to do on Fox News, uh, which one of them was our blanket commercial. We had all these blankets that came in, every kind of blanket you could imagine, and uh, throw blankets, blankets for your beds, your couches, your chairs, uh, as low as $29.99. We're adding the free shipping. We're adding, these are all bonuses to the War Room Posse on your entire order. Get all those blankets. We've discounted them for the War Room Posse with that promo code War Room, uh, 800-873-1062. And so they're 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 lost. We've even discounted more than the commercials were going to be on TV. Just like the My Pillow 2.0, that commercial on TV was 39.98. Here you're getting for ten dollars more off for the queen size, 29.98. Five dollars more for the king. We've got the flannel sheets. We've got the we left put everything that has been on sale or going on sale is on sale right now. The six piece towel sets and we still have those kitchen. By the way, the kitchen towels, we got all new styles in just this week. 
um, of the kitchen towels. Remember, we've developed them so they actually dry. Uh, what their what towels are supposed to do. So take advantage. <laughs> you know, I mean, they make these towels. They feel good in the stores that they don't dry things. You know, and that's just like our bath dry. towels. Uh, six piece bath <laughs> towels. Uh, twenty nine ninety eight. So you guys at the War Room Posse, you have stood by us. We're standing by you, and uh, we're going to get through People these times. It. Yeah. Get the- yeah. 800-873-106. Hell yeah, we're going to get through stronger than ever. We had to go yep, through this journey. Absolutely. We went through this journey together. We don't screw Fox News. Nobody cares about that. TV for stupid people. They don't move the needle. Everybody knows that. War Room Posse moves the needle. You know why? These people are hardworking Americans. Mike Lindell, see you back here this afternoon, brother, for the yep, big yep, announcement. I'll have, that, I'll have that big announcement, everybody. Charlie Kirk's up next. Mike Lindell's going to be with me. We're going to be out in Las Vegas for two days. Charlie Kirk's conference pre-RNC about what's got to happen there. Ronna McDaniel's coming. She's all over President Trump and Nikki Haley. Hey, whoa, 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 whoa. Too little, too late. You provide the platform of these debates to do this. So don't come in here now and say, hey, we got to get back of President Trump. You need to get back of President Trump about nine months ago. So I don't want to hear all that phony, happy, happy, clappy talk now. Oh, Ronna's supporting President Trump. No. They provide a platform that gave Birdbrain a platform. Birchgold.com slash Bannon. We're going to have the new one up, uh, segment three, the debt trap. Guess what? Big, big, big fight on Capitol Hill. Coming on Ukraine. No money for oligarchs. How about that? No money for oligarchs on Wall Street or in Kiev. Back here at five. I want to warn you of a huge change that could be coming to our money in our bank accounts. First, think back to 9-11, shortly after the government pushed through the Patriot Act. This gave the government power to spy on innocent Americans by monitoring our phone and email and tracking our movement across the Internet. Now, Jim Rickards, editor of the independent financial newsletter Strategic Intelligence and New York Times bestselling author, is warning about a coming event that could elevate this governmental surveillance to a terrifying new level. In fact, Some of the guests I've had on The War Room believe that the government will soon expand their powers to track our every move. If we say the wrong things on social media, donate to the wrong causes, buy firearms, or even vote MAGA, the government may be able to shut us out of our bank accounts. I can't say for sure if this will happen, but it's an interesting and dire warning. Fortunately, Jim Rickards, an American patriot and friend of mine, has made it his mission to educate us on what he believes is coming and how to protect yourself from the possibility of programmable money. Watch Jim's warning video now before it's censored like I've been in the past. Go to RickardsWarRoom.com. That's RickardsWarRoom.com now to see the video. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to WarRoomHealth.com. That's WarRoomHealth.com. All one word, WarRoomHealth.com. Use the code WARROOM at checkout to save 67% of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. And do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.